1: My talkers, it is three o'clock. We're hanging out with Lori and Julia. Beautiful Wednesday hump day afternoon. We've got a great show ahead here, you guys. And you know what? I know that's going to happen because every day we have a great show. Right, Lori? Right, Julia? That's
2: right. That's correct.
3: That
1: is correct.
3: Well, let's get to some business before what do we, we got? get to all the fun. Well, we got to talk about the tickets for Project Down and Dirty. Yes. Mm-hmm. Go on sale tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. And the VIP, there's only so many. And they're $150, and they're going to go quickly. And you get a lot with the VIP package. You really package. do get a lot. But yeah. I think there's like only a limited uh-huh. amount yes, of tickets. Yes, there are a limited
2: number. So for you
3: hardcore My talkers out there. That want to come to ready. the reunion
2: show, it's the only way to come to the reunion yes, show. Yes, that's right. So we hope that you can take advantage of that. And it's all, you go to My talk 107.1 keyword project. Mm-hmm. And there's also um, Reserve General Admissions Um, seating. We sold out the
3: construction thing outside in October. Remember that last year. So I have no qualms that the original filmmaking efforts that are going to happen around here are going to be a huge draw. (laughs) I
2: know for people to see what the heck. And it is a limited number of seats, so this is going to be something that will sell. So that all goes live tomorrow at eight a.m. And then also later in our show today. We're giving away a pair of tickets to the Minnesota Vi- Wild versus the Colorado Avalanche for a preseason mm. game. Mm. You call it Avalanche. I like it. What is it? Avalanche? Avalanche.
1: avalanche. You I always like call, call it the avalanche.
2: avalanche, and I'm like, what is an Avalanche? <laughs> it's an Avalanche. And an
3: amphitheater. That was another word heard in the other. I had a great
2: combined word when you were gone, Lori.
3: What was it? Oh, I can't remember. It was so good. Well, maybe Shannon wrote it down. I hope so. By the way, shout out to Shannon. She's catching up with the podcast, and she heard me... Talking about the Paris trip, and she's like, what is the name of the walking app? Because she and her husband are going to Rome. Yes. And it I called it City Maps. It's City Mapper.
1: City Mapper. Good to know, because I'm going to put that in. Yes. Our good to know. Yeah, City Mapper. It's
3: called City Mapper is the good... Walking the good city walking for, city like, for European cities, yeah, or New York,
2: it would sure. be good for too. city mapper. I mean,
3: you can use it in any city, but it's just better than Google walking on your map. Sure,
2: but that's a good one to know.
3: Yeah, so it's called City Mapper. That's right. for you, Shannon. And I have my eye drops out, Julia, my all-day comfort dry eye relief, because um my brother and I and my mom and many other people at eight thirty. On the morning show, mm-hmm. all the news programs broke into live coverage of Queen Elizabeth, the procession, the I don't know if it was three mile procession, to from Buckingham Palace to Westminster Abbey. I think that's It was where a they forty went.
2: minute walk.
3: Yeah, it was a forty minute walk.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It was so moving. I you and my brother, who is just, you know, he does not cry at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. It, we were just like kind of texting each other. It was really incredibly moving watching them carrying this casket, the family walking behind.
2: Right.
3: Charles is first. They have a whole order to yes. it. And, but William and Harry were walking. You know, side by side mm-hmm. with whatever amount of space, and um,
2: I've got some facts. Oh,
3: you do. Okay, kind of, it was just very kind moving. Of,
2: they're interesting facts. So here's why the Queen's coffin left Buckingham Palace today at two twenty-two mm-hmm. p.m. It's because they wanted the procession left the palace um, it, at the time to make sure the coffin would arrive at Westminster Hall. And the queen would lie in state until her funeral on Monday at 3 p.m. They wanted it there at 3 p.m. They timed it using a drum, which beats 75 beats per minute, which enabled them to arrive at exactly 3 p.m. Wow, 3 p.m. isn't significant, but they had to back into it. And why that's so significant is because the horses are required to walk at an incredibly low speed that they're not used to. It's not a natural gait for a horse, let alone a human being, to walk that slow. Yeah. So that symbolized the extraordinariness of this event and the occasion everyone was doing something different. And the Queen will lie there at Westminster. 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 Mm -hmm. And people are allowed in 23 hours a day. And they say right now, you know, they expect over a million people to go and visit her.
3: They're not all going to get in.
2: No, I know it. But I have to tell you why, because you talked about because the coffin. Just
3: so you know about William and Harry Watkins at um, at Phillips, if you know their grandfather, their cousin had to walk between, between them. them. So this is a big deal. Yes, it's the a thawing. good big step. Yeah. The thawing of the
2: iceberg. Yes. Okay, so I wanted to tell you this yesterday, but so why you said when the people, when the, um, what are the people with the high hats called that were carrying the coffin, lorry?
3: Oh the um, the gar- what are those bee guys? feeders? Yeah, the bee, bee feeders. feeders. Thank you. So
2: um, the reason why that casket, by the time they delivered that casket,
3: they were sweating by the time okay, they took their hats it's off. It's
2: because it's lined with lead. Oh my okay, gosh! So this, I can't believe only eight guys are needed to carry that. that's Jeez, so heavy. Like that's Prince heavy. Philip, the Queen will be laid in rest in an oak coffin designed for her more than thirty years ago and is bound to weigh a ton. It's lined with lead. Members of the English royal family are typically buried in lead-lined coffins for preservation purposes. Mm. This is because the lead seals the coffin from moisture slowing decomposition up to a year. When Princess Diana died, her coffin also weighed nearly 540 pounds. Wow. English nobility has followed this tradition for four century. Um, dating back to Elizabeth I and Charles II that were buried in the lead coffins, as well as um, other noble people in England. Right, right. The Irish Times said, though, the ever-rebellious Princess Margaret, when she died in 2002, insisted on being cremated so her ashes could be placed beside her father's coffin.
3: Oh,
2: it was apparently the only way to reunite her remains with his. There was... Um, a scant room left to bury her there, so she said, "Please cremate me." Mm-hmm. The Queen Mother was also buried in the chapel when she died in two thousand and two, and now Elizabeth will join the family there. Oh. And Prince Philip, whose body lies in the Royal Vault at Saint George Tra- Chapel, is expected to be transferred to right. the same resting place where right. his wife comes. And five hundred and forty pounds. Well,
3: I mean those those guys there—they just looked so hot, but right. they were moving with so much precision and anyway but it was really i mean i'm just sitting there i'm like uh, i'm crying you know and like the like david muir you know he didn't get choked up or whatever but james longmire and some of the people correspondents i mean billy bush even got to go to yeah but they seem kind of choked up because a lot of the people that are out with the crowds of people Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of Older and elderly people, and they're like, Some of these people are not going to make 30 hours for this standing big in line. line, right? Right, right, all of this stuff. But they just, yeah, it was kind of moving. And I wanted to get all mad again about Prince Harry wearing a morning suit, but then, um, you know, he issued a statement that said, um, that he's wearing a mourning suit to honor his grandmother. His decade of military service is not determined by the uniform he wears, and he respectfully asks that focus remain on the life and legacy of Her Majesty. So he took it all out. He didn't fight about it. He's just allowing the new king, his father, Mm -hmm. to look like the petty inkwell pen um, baby that he is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It really is. I mean, it's just also, bonkers. It's but, so uh, incredible to see mm-hmm. a combat veteran in civilian clothing among uniformed royals who didn't even serve. It
2: one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah.
3: So anyway, and, and now, I classy. recognize that's
2: classy of him. Good Yeah, for
3: him. I recognize Meghan's coat. I think she left it at Frogmore Cottage. Oh, because you recognize coat. it
2: from last time.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. from last time around. Yes, and the, there you go. Yeah, and I guess Prince William and Prince Harry had dinner together. Yes. This afternoon yeah. or this evening, they had a
2: private, intimate family family. Meal. Uh, yeah,
3: Fergie is not invited to anything until the actual funeral. She is. This doesn't
2: surprise me. Prince mm-hmm. Philip hated her, stand her. Mm-hmm. This doesn't surprise me. And
3: London officials are asking people to stop leaving marmalade and sandwiches. jam penny sandwiches and Paddington bears. Yes. Flowers, yes, but the bears are becoming. They've had rain. Yeah,
2: they, they, get, they get stinky. Soggy they get rats, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Sandwiches, you get rats, and you get predator. You know, you get predators. Out yes,
3: maybe do, if you have a Haddington bear, you know, give it to a, a children's hospital or something. There like
2: you go. That. Yeah.
3: So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and Howard Stern was he's he's, he's appalled. appalled. Yeah, he's appalled with the
2: coverage, but whatever. Yeah.
3: yeah, well, he just wants the media to not lose sight of um, the
1: big stories yes. that are happening here. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's R- not it's not as much right. as that. He's annoyed. with with her, I think is that we've got some problems of our own going, and on. and we got
3: a lot of big political stuff that we don't want getting buried. Uh, exactly. Underneath. So, exactly. Um Anyway, okay. Listen, we get back. It's our story. We can't get enough of. So her show debuted this week, and yes. I didn't completely didn't even realize it until yesterday. So um I was interested in seeing the you know her first show, and it's on at one o'clock on Fox. Here is the time. So now I, the you know, woman who proclaims to know everything about other talk show hosts. And I've got a lot on the DVR. Because you've got the Sherry, the new Sherry, Sherry show. Shepherds. You've got
2: the Jennifer Hudson show. Uh, Drew Barrymore has
3: come back real strong. Right? Really? Um, yeah, yeah, she really has. And, you know, Kelly and Ryan, The View is back. And so, I mean, I'm just like in all the late night shows. But I loved that she did have, that she went for the, let's see if we get Simon Cowell on. And, of course, they can because America's Got Talent. Is happening, and uh, it's just so... The, the beauty of the fact that years later, he's a guest on her, her talk show. show, admitting how fabulously... She didn't win, right? No, she was booted off. They talk about, oh, it, about okay. how she proved him wrong. Okay. So, here we go.
1: You are the epitome of the American dream, right? Wow. You are, Thank because you. genuinely, because a lot of people, after what happened to you on the show, because you shouldn't have been voted out that night, uh, in fact, I do remember there was a power cut in Chicago or something, something crazy was going on. Wow. A lot of people would have walked away from that moment and gone, it's too difficult, I give up. And you didn't. Wow. I remember talking to you afterwards and you went, this is not the end. Mm-hmm. And then you took every opportunity with grace and with determination. I'm getting emotional now. That's oh. true. And you just did it. And this is this is why we make these shows still because wow. there's always talent out there. Thank God. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. This, that means a lot. Well, it's true. Wow. And you're a nice person. Wow. Thank Thank you. We honestly, Lori, I
3: have to tell you something. Yeah. and his face, I mean, he's he got
2: so much Botox and in his filler face. and, and filler. just over overkill. But I had this. I I just was writing down a couple words from the fair. Yeah on a cyber flashing and subconscious plagiarism to have them in the file. But yeah. on this sheet, it also said, I wrote, Laurie, we have something in common with Simon Cowell. What is it? No talent. Oh, yes. He came <laughs> yes. out and said that when, you know, on America's Got Talent. I've got no, no talent. talent right. I can't do any of this. <laughs> right. So well, thought, it, wow. And then he went on to
3: say that, um, he said, I remember when you were eliminated, and she was like in seventh place is where she ended up. And I kept thinking, who chose, who had her sing Weekend in New England, a Barry Manilow song? He goes, it wasn't me. I didn't, because remember right. the judges would, would pick choose, the songs yes, for the Yes, I forget and, about that. And he said, it wasn't your fault, of course, but that song is Isn't not it? a great song.
2: Yes. And so. Songs can, can kill the singer. yeah. And yeah. these types of shows, I mean, it really is, you need a good song. Yeah, she was said she was
3: okay with it. She said I, I didn't mind the song. I didn't even fight with the song or anything. She
2: really has paved. I mean, she's paved her own way. She oh my really Dream has.
3: girls. She was
2: amazing, amazing, amazing
3: in it. I still that'd be re-
2: a movie to go back and watch. Uh
3: huh. Andre Leontali dressed her, and remember he put her in like some kind of little shrug or yeah, something. Yeah, in
2: and- in the um. There's that that soundtrack. First of all, the soundtrack from the Broadway show is phenomenal, Mm -hmm. but the soundtrack from the movie, and there's a song that Beyonce sings, Listen.
3: Yes. Which just would... good song. I'd sit
2: and listen in the minivan with my dad, and I'm like, let's listen again. Right. Let's hear it again. Oh, my
3: god! That and Celine Dion. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have to tell you that with all of this, um, you know, I saw last week that, you know, Kim Kardashian bleached her eyebrows for the interview magazine with her butt hanging on oh, yeah. jeans. We, we
2: reenacted that, me going to the bathroom one day, e- didn't we, Grant? Yeah. <laughs> we so but She bleached her eyebrows. Madonna bleached her eyebrows. Okay.
3: All these people do. Pre-Halloween. Is, Pre-Halloween. I can tell you for a fact that I didn't see one person in Paris with bleached eyebrows, and we saw at least 15 photo shoots. We saw a couple every single day. Wow. On all the bridges. Right. You know, because you've got amazing... Yes. So it is not unusual. I've never seen this many, but it could be, be I don't know. The pandemic people are just... No,
0: the... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
2: They're Fashion's were,
3: back. Fashion is back and people were no one had bleached eyebrows. None of the models cause anyone
2: so, so you're telling people if this is something you want to follow this path. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. There's ugly. nothing good about it. Yeah. You look like Tilda Swinton in um, you know, Game of Thrones. Whoopi is or the one who looks good without it. Tilda eyebrows. Swinton wasn't in Game of Thrones. Who was that very tall oh, woman in uh, Game of Thrones? Gwendolyn Christie. Yes, thank she you. She didn't have
3: much in the way of eyebrow. And then Madonna has um Join Leonardo DiCaprio in that the tabloids are now putting together a graph of her dating history.
2: <laughs> and she dumps them before what twenty eight?
3: Well, since two thousand and eight, she only dates guy. All the guys she's dated have been at least twenty eight years younger. Oh, then she is the really the only person she's ever dated that was older than her, and it was only one person because both of her husbands. Guy Ritchie was 10 years younger and Sean Penn was like two years younger. Right. Her affair with Warren Beatty turned her off to older men forever. Mm-hmm. Remember when she dated yes, him? Yes, I do. When they were in Dick Tracy? Yeah. He was 21 years her senior. They dated for a year. So he's the only outlier. But they have, they've put together the whole That's chart. That's funny. And, um, yeah, going all the way back to John Michael Basquiat, has always dated younger men. That yep. That is her thing. And, uh. Um, You know, so I love that she may, you know, they... they...
2: Dated younger men and men not in the same power position. Yes. Employees, basically, because they're her backup dancers. Yeah, the guy Mm -hmm. she's
3: dating right now is not a backup dancer. He's a model. His name is Andrew (laughs) Darnell, and he's 41 years younger. He's in between her daughter and Rocco's age. So what is he,
2: 23? 22. Oh. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, but I mean... I'm sure. He... Don't touch my skin there. It doesn't go back right away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so
3: funny. It's like Ooh, me when I get off the massage table and I'm yeah. like, oh my God, Don't... this is going to take
2: four hours for my face <laughs> you, to settle back. You can't put on makeup that hard because it doesn't go back. Your... Oh, so funny. Mm-hmm. Oh. I would be so So she went
3: to all the after parties in New York on Monday night with her bleach. She looks
2: like a vampire. She looks yeah. like she's trying out for Halloween, Lori. She just It's not a good look. On anywhere.
3: <laughs> it isn't. Okay.
1: I brought this song in Love for our up. wrap up bed.
2: Yep, thank you. All right, thanks for hanging out with us. We are so delighted. You know, Project Down and Dirty is like two weeks out, and we have our film director, Vanessa Powers, with us from Oxford Oxford Comma Film Cooperative. And Vanessa, have we we've talked to you on the air or just in person? Uh, just in person. person. Okay, yeah. so hello yeah. and welcome everyone. Hello. We are super lucky because we've got the Steven Spielberg of the Twin Cities. <laughs> That's right. She's a director, at- a filmmaker and a bully
3: dog Francais owner. You know, she first. is. Yes. She oh is. <laughs> so
2: we just thought, you know, um, Project Down and Dirty is happening. Tickets do go on sale, you guys. It's tomorrow, Thursday.
0: Tomorrow, yes, tomorrow at 8am. Yeah. Oh, already. Mm-hmm. Yes. already.
2: And there's a limit number of tickets for so people who want to get in on that. We hope you do. It's going to be at the Showplace icon and it's Project Down and Dirty Film Festival. Yes. So, you know, we talk, spend so much time talking about movies, TVs, the Emmys we're just on, and just kind of wanted to talk to you about what makes a movie great. Because it seems like you... Everyone
3: has the intention to make a good movie. Or a good producing whatever.
2: What is it? Because so much money is thrown at it. And then when it comes out, you're in shock. Like, how is this not great with all the effort that puts in? What do you think makes a great movie?
0: That's such a great question. And I think, I think you really nailed it. Well, I think you really nailed it on the head that you, you see something that has had so much money and effort and work gone into it. And it's like, what is not for me? It's, it's writing. It's all about the story. Um, I think if you, if you don't have a good, uh, script. If it hasn't been, you know, gone through enough enough drafts in, in pre-production that no matter how good a job you do with everything else, that, uh, that a good script will sort of kneecap you every time. Really? So. Do you
2: feel like people rush? on the script like they have a general outline and because this person has a history well, you trust dead, on, they have a churn of writers yeah
0: yeah it's either there's too many yeah too many cooks too many writers or yeah they're in a rush they're really excited to or they're on a schedule you know that they didn't set as far as like producers goes and yeah I think sometimes you just get something through that through that green light that really hasn't been fully thought out and then they're kind of solving things or making things up as they go or trying to or trying to work backwards from something that didn't make sense or wasn't wasn't well thought out. Right.
2: Is there like a movie, Vanessa, um, that you were so excited to... to make you to well, be the movie director that you are? I mean,
0: that's a great question. I can cite two movies okay. that like really solidified that for me. The first one was Matilda when oh, I was just a little kid. Yes. And one of my, my mom, I think, or my mom or my dad got me the companion movie book that you could read about how they made the movie. And for some reason, I can still remember this, that Mara wilson who played matilda um Starling. oh so cute Starling. she uh she designed her own doll and they talked about the logic behind the design for her doll being that it was made from like curtain fabric and like newspaper clippings and things because her parents would have never given her like like supplies to make a real doll and for some reason that just stuck out to me like reading that as like an eight-year-old that i was like wow people like do this you know and then again when i was 14 um I saw my first like really independent film. It is called laughing boy made by a man named Joker Grisafi. Who's from Texas. And I, um, I saw it at like a at like a convention, and he was there just speaking, and he was just like a person. And I know this sounds crazy, but that was like the first time that it occurred to me, like I could do this. people just do this. You know, yeah. you don't have to be somebody from Hollywood. You can just make a movie, and mm-hmm. that was the first time that that had occurred to me. So black and white because here this person was in front of me and he was just a guy right. um so yeah matilda and laughing boy I, I love
2: that we know of one we don't know the other and you know right, right now which is uh the toronto film fest is happening and steven spielberg's the Fableman's it's, his story he, about his parents but um, helping him become a filmmaker film yeah and, and really nurturing that yeah. at such a young age would that be i mean as far as directors in the in the more material world not in the indie world who yeah. do you really kind of think has got it going on.
0: Oh, that's so hard because I feel like everyone you get attached to breaks your heart with a bad movie. Right. <laughs> um, so Jim- yeah, I so I grew up really loving Luc Besson who did The Fifth Element and Leon the Professional and uh, La Femme Nikita. Um, and then you
3: must be, you were very sad about you Jean-Luc Godard who uh, you just know, passed away. Yeah,
0: well, we le- we learned a lot about him in film school. Reinventing, um, right?
3: He gets the credit yeah, for reinventing yeah. modern And all making? of us
0: went through like a like a okay. French, time. yeah, a yeah. French uh, new wave phase for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I like, um, but then you know, Luke Besson then made really bad movies for like the last four movies he's made, and now I don't care. Isn't
2: that a bummer
3: when they let
0: you down? Such a bummer. Um, <laughs> I hope
2: we're, I hope this is going to be one of your better
3: films. Oh, for sure. Us. I don't make <laughs> bad movies.
2: <laughs> so, so tell people though about your movies that you've made, Vanessa.
0: Yeah, um, so my joke, I like to tell people. Well, I guess my true joke that I've been making movies since I could hold a camera and a Barbie at the same time. See? Um Look my parents so cute. just like just like Steven's so so supportive. They bought me like an editing computer and a really nice camera when wow. I was in high school. Um and we didn't even have like a ton of money. I think they just understood that this was this was really your me. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so um I've actually been making movies with like schedules and shot lists and editing and things since i was in high school so that being said i got a lot of my bad ideas out early okay yeah (laughs) uh you know bless all like my high school friends who like that was what we did on the weekends um and then i i went to School the first first time around for theater and I was going to be an actress. Where did you go? The U of M. Okay. Um, and I was in the theater program and I took a break from film for like three years and then I was getting to the end of that program and then was realizing I didn't want to be an actress and I had had just gotten into theater directing because the theater arts program at the U is really holistic. You know, you learn tech, you learn yes. writing, mm-hmm. you learn, and that was the year I took all my directing classes and I was like, this is neat. Um, but by the time I was done uh i had a dream about a movie and i made that movie in 2008 and that was like my return to filmmaking and it was way experimental um but since then i kind of um have been growing as a creator i try to every film i make i set like a goal of what i'm going to learn or what i want to sort of specifically accomplish um i did my first feature when i was like 22 or 23 and it really didn't go well. Um, But it was like hey do you want to learn every lesson the hard way? Sure. And then from there we kind of totally reset went back to doing shorts and then actually my first... Is that
3: what we're doing a short yes, film? we're doing a short okay, Yeah, right, no right. features in a week. Okay,
0: okay. Um, but uh, then I got really into... And this still is true. I really love character-based stories. Um, I think that comes from my theater background. Like anything, any genre with characters that are really compelling and that you can really root for and dig into mm-hmm. and care about. I think that's my signature thing. And I'm a really act act. Actors, director, like I, uh, my focus is really on creating the best space for the actors to do their best work. Um, Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> so good we like coffee. We would like massage. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. But we'll we'll schedule a good spa lighting. Day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um and uh. So I think that 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 really started with my second feature, um, which was not as much of a disaster as my first one. Uh, and Let's it was like uh, it's called He Gave Her His Phone. It was a comedy and I didn't write it. Everyone thinks I only do stuff that I write, but I work on other people's stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually somebody who was like in the kind of local stand up comedy scene wrote it. And so we made that and it um, was really character based, really funny, really. Uh, And, you know, I think it was a grand total of an hour and 26 minutes or something, just like just barely in that feature category. Um, And then from there, I went on to make my first feature that got into a film festival, which was Keepsake. And that was, I think, the first thing I made that really felt like this is the kind of thing I want to keep making. What was the Keepsake? Um, It was about a a young woman who goes back to like the, the, the town where she went to school and Kind of rekindles or re revisits these old friendships and had kind of left in the middle of oh, a messy good. situation and then kind of goes back and re-deals re with that. Can we watch that now? That one is available on Amazon, actually. Oh. And it was uh, that one screened at the Twin Cities Film Fest. Oh, uh, it was my first feature to get into a film fest, and that was the first film fest it got into. We might
2: have to watch that. That's so uh, it does. I love that kind if, of coming to right, Yeah, sort yeah. If you're just joining us, we're chatting with our film director, scriptwriter, um, prop master um i don't even know what else to no, direct gonna, the director and the director, director everything vanessa powers and um can you stick with us because we're yeah you got a second yeah. let's just hang out for a second and when we come back um you know getting to know a little bit more about you but also understanding are we going to take in direction Lori? TBD. I, I'm going to say yes for this. I'm going to be you, very good. I'm going to do everything I, Vanessa tells me. You, I, on the other hand. I think we should walk around the building and find out if this is fair yeah, People not. will believe that I will take
3: direction. No one will believe you will take direction. That is what I'm going to say that the survey would say. And I'm going to say
2: it's going to say the complete opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Delusions of grandeur. That's what we have here. We'll be right back. This is Lori and Julia. A project on a dirty ticket's going to sale tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. And we're talking with our director, Vanessa Powers, from Oxford Comma Film Cooperative. And um, you're based here in Minneapolis, and you bring talented folks from across the United States to make fun, thought-provoking, and meaningful films. And thank you so much for being our director and filmmaker. And we're offline just talking about all the different exciting ideas we have. Lori, you're really excited about this one.
3: Well, More so than she, I've seen you. Uh, Julia, you know, maybe my alter ego, Lady Exercise, kind <laughs> of my acting companion, has given me a bravery for this. A, new, I a feel, new set. Yeah, because I feel like, okay, with our idea, we get to pretend to be something else. And so maybe that, in a way, is kind of, we're unlocking the inner actresses and stars we always thought we had. But without any talent, it's hard to know but <laughs> See, this is our problem. I
2: know. Do you, you know, we remember because um, many, many moons ago, before we started this job, we had a product we invented that was on Sex and the City. And so we went to the taping of the episode where they were going to unveil them. And we spent call so it much. I the
3: filming of the, the episode. Film, well, Lori, we
2: didn't stay. <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, so what we, but it was the filming. Mm-hmm. But we didn't stay because after we realized how much time it took them to get the lighting right. Yeah. We left. It was six hours or something. Of oh, it was longer than that. The lady started at noon. Yeah, and we left at ten o'clock
3: at
0: night. Oh my gosh! And we didn't even or, get
3: there till seven, and we were just so bored. That's, so that's bored.
0: gaffers. They'll they will they will pick until you stop them.
2: Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, is, is so is that as far as from a from a cinematography ver, version or view is lighting everything.
0: It depends who you ask, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's not my style there. There are people who will light a single shot for hours, and hours or they'll let light, you know, a set to, to sort of film within for that many hours for me. And like I said, I think this comes from my actor focus and my my uh, experience in the theater. I really like a a beautiful but a simple lighting setup um, mm-hmm. that you can kind of work within, because I also really don't like to shape my actors around my tech. I like to shape my tech around my actors. And that is just the way that I like to do it. And then uh, there's some directors that really like to to shape everything around their tech. Um so some people some people say yes, some sure. people say no. But for
3: a short, we're not worried about lighting so much, are we?
0: Uh you know, bit? well, you're with me, so we're we're going to okay, worry good. about it only so much, okay, but good. That's uh, good. I'm glad. I know I know CJ is one of the other filmmakers in okay. this and and his stuff is always so, so shiny, so okay. pretty. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I bet CJ is going to light for hours. Um, <laughs> we need to find Grant who CJ is <laughs> I love CJ. I love. He's I, so talented. That. So we talented. But his good? stuff is very, like, I feel like um, very good acting. But but uh, he did this great during COVID. He did this great um, There Will Be Bidet, like parody of There Will Be Blood. Oh, and oh it he. looked Just like the movie, and I know that kind of thing takes so much lighting for that. So, what
3: did what did you the four directors that were ended up being part of this project? What did you guys? say to each other did you talk about it? should we do this thing did
0: you have any when you were approached, <sighs> when you were approached kinda, by the radio uh, station did... no no i asked i did ask who else was doing it because okay. you know i was yeah, just sort yeah. of like is it going to be people i want to hang out with right. Right. um and uh you know i i just talked to bill cooper before before i said yes but i was really excited just to uh first of all to get involved with something with the twin cities film fest like kind of filmmaker mm-hmm. collective that they're, that they're kind of creating. Yes. Um, and this is the first opportunity I've had for that. I love Bill. Um. And I like, you know, I like CJ. I like uh, Kristen and Justin Shaq who are two of the, there's one person I don't know, but that's exciting too. Yeah. Um. But I, I sort of was more like, you know, what a fun opportunity. I, ju- I kind of jumped right on it. And, okay. um and hey. that's kind of who I, who I We're am. We're so, so
2: appreciative, Vanessa. Yeah. We're so So you're used to working though. You know, we, um, the entire um Shia LaBeouf. Shia, LaBeouf.
3: Shia LaBeouf. Don't worry, darling, don't worry darling. They should be worried about that movie. Look, That one looks intense. Doesn't
0: it? Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, it looks like the kind of thing I like, but it looks intense. Yeah. It does.
3: Julie and I are not going to need a buffer at the red carpet of our movie. Just so That's you know, good. you will not have That's to walk good. between us. There's, We don't have any beef like Florence. Sure. And, Maybe and by the end of the week, we'll Maybe get used we to beef.
2: <laughs> we can figure it out in two minutes. Yeah really doesn't take long we'll just give each other a look
0: i feel like no one in minnesota is is like full of themselves enough to have that kind of yeah that kind of buffered necess- you know we, mm-hmm. we're all like just like let's let's be on a team let's make a movie right i think that that's the benefit of doing it in the midwest is there is still that real genuine like love for and like celebration yeah. of just getting to do it yeah
3: i had um when I was in Paris, I was just having fun on this one amazing shopping street, Rue Saint Honoré, and I was in front of this your French is good. So thank you. Good. But I'm posing and talking into the camera and pretend. And this woman stopped me and she says, "Who are you? <laughs> I was said Sharon Stone. I, I really, <laughs> you didn't. I didn't. She's pretended just, to be your mini. I just said, you know, I'm I'm a movie star in my own mind. But it's interesting to me how with the prevalence of everyone. Filming themselves, documenting themselves, that I, I remember this was maybe uh, maybe four or five years ago. That it is most young people expect in their lifetime that they will be famous.
2: Forty-one percent. It was wow. something shocking. People, shocking. Like, That's a crazy number. It's, it's up from like twenty-five percent in like two thousand and seven. It's outrageously high. What do you what? what do you make of that? Is it just? Is it the cameras? It's oh the
3: always gosh. looking the access?
0: I think that. Uh, I think that we all want to believe it's possible you know I think we all want to believe in that that sort of pie in the sky story you hear about where oh, I got found in a diner oh, I got found here I got found there and I think a lot of that I mean fame fame aside I think people just like to feel seen you know Mm -hmm. and I think everybody has a creative spirit I genuinely believe that and I think that we all kind of Bring those out in different ways. I'm a real believer of like, are, do you rearrange your furniture on the weekly? You're creative. Mm. Are you a really good cook? Right. You're creative. I think that all of us have this spark inside of us and all of us like to feel like that's recognized by other people. Um, that creativity is like a need to share, mm-hmm. right? And, and, I think also, um, I think with phones and cameras and all those things, it gets easier to share that. Um, But I think, you know, wanting to be famous, that's a surprising number to me. I know a lot of people doing this for a living who like, we don't want to be famous. We just want to make enough money to keep doing it, you know.
3: Yeah, I always love the Audrey Hepburn quote, everything I know about life I learned from the movies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that's such a great uh quote, but that's why you should just live like you're famous in your own head if that's what you want to be. If right. that's what gives you the power to keep going forward and yeah. move, just have you know, and so I just looked at this woman, I'm like, I'm a movie star in my own life and she looked genuinely perplexed. <laughs>
2: I know. Grant, you're over there being quiet, and yeah. you're going to be, you know... You're in the movie.
3: You're oh, gonna be, yeah, we're going to have fun.
1: You're our leading man. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun. We've got some great ideas. It's going to be I wouldn't good time. go
2: so far as saying you're our leading oh, man. Oh, I'm just being yeah. nice, Laurie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. even fake it on the air. <laughs> but, you know, i got to
3: be the real me. I can't all of a sudden be someone Again, we're going to go
2: around and see who says who's going to take direction for in
3: this building. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that well, goes. How do you feel about her promoting somebody that's not going to be the leading man when you start I mean, I to feel like really we're nice. team
0: girl power right yeah, you got yeah. the girl director on the call yeah. sheet
3: julia you gotta get some of your movie stuff down girl
0: i <laughs> was like well, that's good terminology <laughs> thank oh, you my. vanessa someone's been doing their homework that's okay right. so
2: the other movie though that you've worked on is um which that, that, yeah. yes, that you made yeah is yes. that on
0: amazon that one's on amazon that was the first film i made that got distribution it got very low level distribution scary? no it's it's uh it's another coming of age film um it is it is psychedelic Mm. it is very artistic very experimental um and it's based on a book and once again somebody else wrote wrote this one someone else did the
2: script but we can watch it on amazon yep you can watch on amazon and it's great okay you've gotten a
3: taste of what it's going to be like to working with us we're so excited thank you so much we (laughs) gotta go yin
2: and yang we are are you nervous? I
0: feel like we're like ying and ying. Okay. <laughs> <Got it. good.
2: laughs> Perfect. We're excited. All right. We'll be right back. This is Lori and Julie.